Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. There are numerous ways to help people with what you know that doesn't have to be corporate conventional experience, that your life experience and your perspective matter. And I feel like that was enough for me to kind of take it and run with it. And I feel like this is part of what I do in my work. I'm like, no, it is necessary for you to bring in your lived experience. That's literally what makes you different because I don't care if there's a thousand people that have your same job title or they have your same title in coaching or whatever it is that you're doing. Every single one of us sees this unmet need. I don't care if you have the same title. And the unmet need is something where, yes, somebody else may have done this before, but where have you felt unseen? Where did something miss the mark for you? And how could you actually bring your lived experiences in and say, that's a competitive advantage. I literally serve you and see you differently because of who I am, because of something I was once lacking. And that's the beautiful part about coaching is there's an infinite amount of space for people who bring in who they are because there isn't anybody else who has that perspective. You're listening to Yo Quiero Dinero, a personal finance podcast for the modern Latina. I'm your host, Janice Torres, award-winning Latina personal finance expert. I didn't always have my financial shit together, but when I started looking for POC-friendly personal finance podcasts, I couldn't find any. And so Yo Quiero Dinero was born. On this show, I'll show you how to make dinero, how to keep your dinero, and most importantly, how to make it grow. Each week, I'm connecting you with the most brilliant minds in the world of money and business, so you can learn about investing, entrepreneurship, and building wealth. The best part? I'm dishing up all this knowledge with a sassy side of sazón. So if you're ready to be poderosa with your dinero, you've come to the right place. Let's dive in. Before we hop into today's conversation, I want to remind you to follow us on social. If you're loving this podcast and you want more community, you want to find out more about our events and all the stuff that we have going on behind the scenes, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and everywhere else you love to hang out on the internet. If you're loving this podcast, please take a moment to leave us a review if you listen to us on Apple. It's the easiest way to share our podcast with people that you know and love, and it helps us get discovered by amazing listeners like you. So take a moment, leave us a review, share us with your friends and family, subscribe so that you never miss an episode, and make sure to check out our blog, YoQuieroDineroPodcast.com, where you can sign up for our email list and you'll never miss an episode. Plus, you get exclusive invitations to our live events, special discounts for our digital courses, and as always, our best personal finance tips and advice to help you be poderosa with your dinero. Thanks for listening. Now, let's get into the episode. Mariella, welcome to the podcast. So excited to have you here. Thank you for being here. Yes. Hey, Janice. I'm excited for us to talk. Yes. All right. Let's start off with an introduction. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. So I'm Mariela de la Mora. I am a leadership coach for women of color and first gen. I essentially help them to identify like their sellable stories and really sell and lead through thought leadership. 
And I'm really bringing in a lot of like my background in being a marketing director and leading teams and all of that and all the things that I had to navigate to kind of climb the corporate ladder. And then all of the things that we then need in entrepreneurship to lead, to make decisions, to see ourselves differently, like the identity shifts that go along with that as part of kind of being a leadership coach. Amazing. I know plenty of clients that you've worked with, you're very well known in this space. And I think what stands out about you is I feel like you're like the quiet storm. You're not one of these huge personalities on social media that's like doing the most to get attention. You're just literally sharing your story. It's resonating with the people that it needs to resonate with. And you're serving your clients authentically and with intention, which I think is one of those things that is not as common in the coaching space as I would like to see, right? A lot of it feels kind of weird and predatory and scammy. And I think that's one of the reasons why our community as Latinas, I think are are still kind of like, what the hell is this coaching shit? Like, is this for real? Is this a scam? Can you tell me a little bit about how you got into the coaching world itself? Yeah, it's interesting because until like 2019, I thought of coaching as being like, there's sports coaches, there's fitness coaches, there's, I knew there was executive coaches because I was like a director. So I knew that people would hire coaches for that, but I didn't realize there could literally be coaches for every avenue of your life. And I think coaching is still pretty new in terms of how niche it has been, but I didn't know that I could be a coach. Essentially. I thought I had to leave corporate and go be a consultant. Because I knew at a certain point, 2018, 2019, I'm going to leave. I just don't, I know what's next for me. And I don't think I want to opt into that. But I thought I had to be a marketing consultant. And I came across like, it's funny because I got introduced to coaching in the most like white way ever through like a Tony Robbins program. You know, you get all the ads, you get the Instagram ads, they're like all over your feed. And I opted in, I, I took the program. But I think what that helped me do was figure out like, there are numerous ways to help people with what you know, that doesn't have to be corporate conventional experience that your life experience and your perspective matter. And I feel like that was enough for me to kind of take it and run with it. Yeah. And it's funny because I feel like our community still values like those traditional degrees and titles and certificates as like a legitimacy of permission to show up. So this idea that like your life experience is expertise is a very foreign concept for a lot of folks. And I'm curious, how did you make that shift for yourself? So at first, to be honest, like I'm an eldest daughter, I very much like a lot of my identity was wrapped up in being a marketing director and having a master's degree and like my achievements that even when I knew that I could be a coach, I still really leaned into like what I consider to be like the gold stars on paper, like the things that I think people would find credible. And so I started to talk about marketing and I think eventually I realized that like, why is this so hard for me? <laughs> like, why is me trying to start a business? Why is me trying to be visible and show up as an expert on the days that I don't feel like an expert feeling like, do I have any business helping people with marketing? Like when I haven't gotten my business off the ground. And I think my own mind drama around feeling like a beginner for the first time in a really long time, feeling imposter syndrome for the first time in a really long time, because I was very confident in my job. I started reaching out in my entrepreneur communities to other first gen specifically. And I was just like, hey, is anybody else first gen? And I don't know why I just knew to reach out to other first gen. And just through those conversations, I realized like I wasn't the only one who was struggling with some of this stuff for the first, what felt like the first time, even if they were really successful in like their corporate careers. And just by me talking about that, 
the difficulties, like the identity shifts and all of that, I started attracting pretty much almost all like first gen clients because they wanted a coach who could hold space for like that experience of the visibility and like all the different things that come along with growing a business, all of the money, mind drama, all of that. That's real. That cultural competency is so important, not just like in the coaching space, but even in like the personal finance space, right? Like you can walk into a bank and feel very much like I don't belong here when there's nobody that looks like you who can help you answer your questions, who even understands first-gen issues like, oh, my parents don't have retirement, so what the fuck am I supposed to do, right? Like there's just certain things that are unique to our experience that unless you have that lived experience, you're not going to be able to serve in the best way. And so what I like to tell people is that even though you may think that like the coaching industry is hella saturated, it's still very white dominated. It is. And I feel like this is part of what I do in my work. I'm like, no, it is necessary for you to bring in your lived experience. That's literally what makes you different because I don't care if there's a thousand people that have your same job title or they have your same title in coaching or whatever it is that you're doing. What I like to help my clients do is say every single one of us like sees this unmet need. There's an unmet need. I don't care if you have the same title. And the unmet need is something where like, yes, somebody else may have done this before, but like, where have you felt unseen? Where did something miss the mark for you? And how could you actually bring your lived experiences in and say, that's a competitive advantage? Like I literally serve you and see you differently because of who I am, because of something I was once lacking. And that's the beautiful part about coaching is like, there's an infinite amount of space for people who bring in who they are because there isn't anybody else who has that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I have found that the numbers of Latinas and just people of color in general that want to start their own businesses continues to grow. And I have to say that like, I think it has a lot to do with the fact that we're just sick and tired of being marginalized in corporate America. And I'm curious if that was your experience about why you decided to get the hell out of it was. And it's funny because later on, I found this study about like why the number of Latina owned businesses, like why Latinas were founding more businesses than anyone else. I think like around like 2019, something like that. And I think we realized that, especially for me, I feel like I'm such a good example of that, that we will climb the corporate ladder to the extent that we're managing people and being a people manager. Okay. You can get there. There's probably not a lot of people like you, but then I think you realize once you get past people management, you have to start dealing with a lot of like corporate red tape. You have to start dealing with a lot of politics. And in order for you to succeed beyond being a people manager, it's kind of like you have to move differently. You have to start saying no. You have to start setting boundaries. It's more about what you know than what you could do. But a lot of us got where we are by hustling, by outworking everybody else. And that's a lot of the times how we get stuck in middle management. It is like breaking out of that for ourselves to say that like being a leader beyond this takes a different skill set. And sometimes we just don't want it. Like we see what our bosses are doing. And I'm just like, I'm just not about this life. Like I could never shut my job off. That's what it felt like. And I was just like, if I'm going to do that, I'm not going to do it to go and make somebody else a bunch of money. Facts. Okay. I would watch my manager all the time and be like, honey, I do not want your life. Like whenever we would sit down for like, what's your five-year plan? I'm like, not this shit. I don't know, but not not this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing is I was like, I don't actually care that much about this. For me to, like, if, if I have to eat and breathe and think this all the time, like, I actually don't care about this that much. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I had to force myself. It's kind of like a fuerzas if I had to make myself care. You know how, like, you have to sell yourself in the interview of, like, why do you want to work for this company? 
And I went on enough interviews in tech where I was just like, I just, I don't really care that much. Yeah. And that's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Even though we are taught, you know, as Latinas that we should be hella grateful. Sometimes you get to these spaces and you're just like, okay, I still don't want this, even though there's a nice salary and maybe like a nice 401k match. How do you reconcile with that? Right. Because so much of what we're taught is to like, make the sacrifice worth it, honor the ancestors, be grateful. How do you encourage people to unravel that and like be okay with stepping away from the dream that everybody else wanted for you, but that's not necessarily the one you wanted for yourself? So I can definitely say I had to work through this a lot because I'm also a single parent. My daughter's six and a half and my abuelitos were field workers and I'm literally one generation removed from poverty. And being the eldest, I really wanted to be that trophy child for my family. Like I wanted to be the child they talked about at parties to be like, oh, Nika, she's doing da, 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 da. And I was that. I was that up until my early 30s. Up until my early 30s, I would say even my mid 30s. And I think I realized that like, it makes sense that once we're no longer in danger, meaning like we don't perceive like our financial safety is going to be threatened. We know that a six-figure job is standard, or even if it isn't standard, you have the education. You're like, I'm going to be okay. You start to ask yourself different questions that you didn't have the capacity to ask yourself when you were just trying to make it. And if you think about the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it makes sense that at a certain point, this whisper starts to come in. And I realized like, okay, yes, they wanted us to, you know, you think about making your ancestors proud, whatever. And the path that we initially opt into with like college and the workforce is kind of like our parents' dream because we're doing more than they could. Like we're getting paid for what we know, not just what we could do physically with our bodies. But this part that we're stepping into, they couldn't even dream for us. Like it's crazy. It seems crazy to them, but it's not crazy to us because we now are like, well, we're good here in terms of our our capacity to earn. It makes sense that this is coming up. Yeah. How do you have the conversation with your loved ones that you're going to quit your job? The thing that you went to school for and that everybody's the pride and joy, you got the degree and you're just like, no, I'm going to walk away from this. What was that conversation like for you? I protected my dream, especially while I wasn't quite sure and I was building my own belief around it. Because I was up to a high six-figure job, like 180K, even though that's still not a lot in San Francisco, but that's an aside. And I felt like sometimes when we share things, you have to be prepared for them to understand from their own perspective. And then do you want that? And I think I just didn't want that. I had to believe in myself enough. And then what I actually did instead of telling people, like I told them I was doing it, but I never said like, oh, I'm like leaving my job or anything, especially because I'm a parent. I I was like, I don't want other people's doubts that I just started actively seeking out other entrepreneur communities. It was kind of like I wanted to live in a bubble. And I was like, I just want to talk to other people who think the way I do. I just want to talk to other people who are dreaming. I want to talk to other people who are asking themselves the same questions. And then I didn't really until I got to a point where I was like, okay, I'm confident enough that I can share this and not feel like I'm going to be swayed. And that's something that like, I know we want to bring people with us, but like, will bringing people with you affect your own beliefs about what you're doing? Yeah. And sometimes it takes a minute and that's That's okay. Super, super real. Because I think what happens for a lot of us is we place so much emphasis and value on other people's opinions 
that we let that be the thing that dictates whether or not we're going to do something. Because like you mentioned with Maslow's hierarchy, also like we are just as human beings programmed to seek community because community equals survival. And so when you're like actively saying, I'm going to step out, I'm going to go off on my own your brain's going to start telling you like, bitch, you about to die. Like, what are you doing? Like, This is reckless. You're putting your whole life at risk. And uh, it can feel very scary. It can feel like a life or death situation. Yep. And I think you realize like everybody's perspective makes sense for them. It makes sense for where they came from. It makes sense for what they want, but it's not always relevant to you. And that's hard because you kind of build that as an entrepreneur, but it takes time. I mean, shoot, it still happens where we doubt ourselves even now. Like, am I crazy? It does seem a little crazy, (laughs) but I think that sometimes you're doing something because you can't like logically explain it, but it's almost like going on faith and it doesn't make sense. So I think that protecting your dream makes sense for you if you don't want to be swayed and also recognizing that somebody else can be correct for them, but it doesn't need to be relevant to you. Mm, Yeah, that's real. Okay. So what do you tell people who are like, I haven't really been through anything or I'm like not really an expert at anything to be like teaching anybody anything. So I can't have a business. (laughs) Like, I just don't believe that for anybody. I feel like anybody, if you were to look at what people come to you for, when people come to you to like ask you for advice or for support or something that people have told you you're really good at and you're like, I'm not even doing anything. Like it's generally those things that there's some sort of like a skill set underneath there that you're not even giving yourself credit for because it comes easily to you. And those are often like, they call it like unconscious competency. So you're really good at it. And we're used to having to like work hard or go to school for something or get a training for something. And oftentimes like we're sitting on a lot of unconscious competencies that we don't realize because nobody gave it to us because nobody taught it to us, but it doesn't mean that it isn't a gift. And that might not be the actual service that you package up, but it could mean that you have this other skill set. but the way that you package it is with that gift, that way of delivering it to people. And I find this a lot with women of color where they want to serve their people. And they're thinking, I don't know enough about X subject as this other person who has better credentials than me, but you will actually package it up and deliver it better for your people because you see them and understand them and you better than, let's say like Karen, because of who you are. And I think we don't give ourselves credit for that. Yeah. So how did you go about discovering that you had what it took to be a coach? Because it's not one of these things that I would say is like inherent to most people. Sure, maybe you're better at like connecting or communicating or like breaking down ideas. But like, what is it that happened for you that made you realize like, oh, I could do this? I think I realized like I was exercising the skills of a coach like my whole life without really realizing it. I think about being the oldest kind of living in a household where I felt like I was very good at anticipating other people's moods and needs and like reading a room. Hello, empath. There's just a lot of that. What's that? Hello, fellow empath. Yeah. And it's just like a lot of like, I think being the eldest daughter, like sometimes we surpass our parents' emotional maturity, not through anything like that about them, but we surpass it because we're so used to like, how is everybody feeling? Are they stressed out about this? Are they mad about this? Because they don't know how to communicate their needs. So I think I just became so good at reading people. And then I was a big sister. So I felt like I was kind of in that role. 
And I always was the person that people came to for advice. And then in corporate, I realized like I was a marketer. I was a project manager. I liked it. But what I loved was actually being a people manager. Some people hate it. I thought I was going to hate it. I didn't want to lead people for a really long time. But the part that I wound up loving the most in being a marketing director was building up young talent, like finding young, eager, hungry talent and building them up and like matching them up with what they're really good at and like building them up. And I was like, this is literally mentorship. And it's funny how we put things in different boxes. This is why I don't believe that like we don't have transferable skills. You think about if you have one job and you want to apply to another job, you think about transferable skills. I want us to think about our transferable skills as more than just what somebody gave us in a job or an education. We have a lot of transferable skills. So I had a lot of transferable skills with mentorship, leadership, reading people's emotions, building them up that made me a really good coach. I just didn't realize it at initially, but those, that's those the case soft now. skills, right? Those, those things that yeah. you don't necessarily go to school for, but you acquire along the journey to life can be some of the biggest assets that you don't even realize that you have. Exactly. And honestly, like, I feel like being the daughter of immigrants, like we all have these natural skill sets. One of my clients introduced me to it. She called it like the community cultural wealth model. And the community cultural wealth model talks about like seven natural strengths that we have as first gen. And I would encourage people to look that up because it has to do with like community skills, social skills, emotional skills that we develop that are our superpowers. And when we are entrepreneurs, we get to decide that those are superpowers because in corporate, someone can say that's not in the job description. We don't need you to do that. So that's the beautiful thing about entrepreneurship. Yeah. I think also one of the reasons that I'm personally passionate about entrepreneurship is, especially for women and Latinas in general, it's like... We come from generations of women who have been financially stuck in toxic jobs, in relationships, environments where we do not have any options. And I honestly do feel like entrepreneurship is one of those things that can level the playing field and make women give them access to things and resources and the stability that they won't necessarily get from externally. And I'm curious what your experience has been like with being corporate baddie, then also an entrepreneur. Like how has that changed your life personally? I'm glad you asked this question because then I lit up when you said that, because I was like, Lord, am I the poster child for like every conventional form of security failing at some degree or not being enough? Because I have two master's degrees, literally, got the 4.0 average, like climb the corporate ladder, all of that. And I've also been married twice. And I really wanted that conventional form of like security. And I saw it in like a job. I saw it in all those things. And when you've been laid off a few times, which has happened, this will happen. It doesn't matter if you're a star performer. The times I got laid off, it was a company-wide layoff. It did not matter how good of a job you were doing. When you've gone through a couple of layoffs and when you've gone through divorce, like I have, where I ended up like financially at zero, pretty much, well, not both times, but one of the times I started realizing like, are these things really going to give me security or is there something else? Because when I quit my job, ultimately to start my business in 2020, layoffs happened two days later because of the pandemic. So they would have laid me up. They laid off everybody, my whole team. They kept one person and made them do everybody's job. 
And so it's like, I've had enough experiences of like, I can create my own security because nobody can take this away from me. No one can take away my knowledge. No one can take away my story. No one can take away my expertise. No one can take away my ability to market myself. And that's brought me more security in retrospect now than like the things that I attached myself to in the past. Yeah, that's super real. It's just that power to create the type of income that you want to create your schedule, to be there for your kids, to take time off without having to ask for PTO. Like all of that shit is something that you don't realize, like you don't realize how much work controls your life until you have the option to opt out of it. Yeah. Like this year, I just came back from a three-week vacation with my daughter. I told myself I wanted to do this for years, but I wanted to feel, you know, like financially safe and comfortable doing it. Last year, I surpassed finally like what I would have made in corporate in terms of what I paid myself. And it hit different this time. Like it hit different for me to go on vacation and be sitting in an infinity pool with my daughter and just being like, I didn't have to ask anybody permission. I just had to plan for it. I had to arm my team with what they needed. I had to make the decisions. I had to end one program on one date, start the program when I got back. And it just hits different. And I was like, no one can tell me what to do. Just wild, maybe. But like, for the most part, I'm the person who decides. And there's so much power in that, that sometimes we're not even realizing that like we could have that for ourselves. It doesn't happen overnight, but it definitely hits different when you just get to decide. Yeah. Okay. So take us through the journey of your coaching business, because I think there's a lot of perception that it happens overnight, that these people that you see out here are like an overnight success. Give us the real deal about what it's been like to grow and scale your business. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online store shop phase to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic your AI-powered all-star. 
What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dinero, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dinero now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dinero. So reality was that the first, I would say, eight months or so was me figuring out what my thing was going to be. Signing up for programs, a $2,000 program, another $2,000 program, another $1,000 program. Using parts of it, but not all of it. Fine. It's all relevant. I think we overthink, is this the right program? Nothing is going to be the all-encompassing program. You just have to get started. And it was eight months of me being like, my coworkers are going to see me. I'm going to look crazy. Like, what am I even doing? And going through the mind drama of showing up and creating an online brand and an online presence, knowing my coworkers and friends and family might not understand. I had to just do it anyway. Also, did not make any money for those eight months because I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't have an offer. I didn't have a coach. But that was okay because I was building a community and I was building the muscle of showing up and thinking like an entrepreneur versus thinking like an employee. So I look back and I think even though I didn't make money right away, none of it was a waste because I was becoming an entrepreneur. I was trying to figure it out. And I think so many of us are like, okay, what's the right thing? And they they want results right away. And you can get results right away, but not immediately. Like it's still going to take time and effort. So eight months in, I would say six, five months in, I hired my first coach. I figured out, okay, you need an offer. You need a price point. You need to speak specifically to like how you can help people. A couple months later, landed my first client. So this was the beginning of 2020, landed my first client. Then it became my second client, my third client, fourth and fifth client. And then it started getting faster. Then the pandemic hit and I knew I was going to quit my job because I had already built up my savings and I knew I was going to. So I quit pretty early on. And like I said, they would have laid me off two days later. But 2020 wound up being a six figure year in coaching, which is not, I look back at that now and I'm like, I don't know that people should expect that. I actually think that was really, really good, but I did lean a lot on my marketing knowledge, but I also was specifically speaking to first gen. And because nobody else was speaking specifically to growing a business with first gen mindset, in a way it was like, it mattered less that I hadn't been coaching for a long time and more that I was speaking specifically to people who, an audience that didn't usually feel seen. So 2020 was a six-figure year, but it took me eight months to make any money. And then from there, the six-figure year became 150, became 300K. And then now I'm working on what does a half a million dollar business look like, which is a lot of money stuff, a lot of money drama, a lot of huge investments, a lot of big numbers leaving your account. And people don't realize that, but I could not have handled these problems a year ago. Yeah, it's all a a process in figuring out what you're capable of and then continuing to build on that year after year. Yeah, because you're becoming a different person and you're kind of stretching your emotional capabilities. You're stretching your nervous system capacity, like you're just stretching yourself. So this whole thing of like making a million dollars in a year and all that, I'm like, you couldn't even handle it. If somebody came and gave you the business and they were like, here you go, 
you would freak out. You would probably make a lot of really unhelpful decisions about your business because you can't handle it yet. So I feel like letting yourself be in the stage that you're in is also really important. I love that advice. And I'm curious for folks who want to start off in this industry, right, as coaches, there's a lot of different advice for how to get clients. Some people talk about sales calls, strategy calls, discovery calls. Should I do a webinar? Should I do like a Facebook Live? What's been your secret to success? And obviously we know that like everybody's different and your approach is going to be different. But what do you think is maybe the best way for a new coach to start? It really is personal because I think it depends on what your strengths are. But a lot of what I talk about with my clients is storytelling. And I mean storytelling from the perspective of what I call like our sellable stories. So it will be talking about your perspective on an issue and a problem that you can solve, but like how you solve it differently because of who you are. Or sometimes it isn't even about that. It might just be you talking about your values. It might just be you talking about something that helps them feel seen. And sometimes even if you're not pitching, even if you don't have a CTA, even if you don't say, and this is why in my program, we have this framework, like literally just connecting with people with story has been something that has really changed things for me. And that can feel less like you're selling especially at the beginning when you feel like, oh my God, I don't want to be salesy, which you'll have different perspective on that later when you sell because you're like, there's nothing wrong with selling. But we all are sitting on a lot of stories right now that our audience can relate to, that can connect to, and that the story itself can showcase like, this is how I see this problem differently or how I see this possibility differently because of who I am. And then in coaching, like I think video is just really powerful, but also people hearing you speak is really, really powerful in coaching because they want to know what it would be like to work with you by seeing how you move, by hearing how you speak. So I think it could be either or. Okay. Now, speaking of stories, a lot of us have money stories that influence how we show up as entrepreneurs. Usually that leads to us undercharging, maybe being afraid to show up because you don't want to be quote unquote, like you said, too salesy. There's a lot of stories that I think are keeping us small. What do you think is the biggest story that you see around charging too much money in our community? I think what I hear a lot is like, I don't know enough to charge that much. I'm not there yet. And when I dig into what do you mean, like not there yet? Sometimes the answer is wild because they're like, they'll be comparing themselves against someone with the bigger business that's making more money. But I'm like, but how do you think they have the bigger business? And I think that we will attach a lot of things to like how long you've been doing something or how much money you're making already or some sort of like, oh, I don't have a certification. Like we're so big. Our community is so big on like, but I don't have a certification. And I'm like, it's great. Like get a certification because you want to, but not because it's necessary for you to help people right now. And so I think a lot of it, we do attach to things on paper essentially. And honestly, the second part is just like, they will just have a big visible reaction to like a certain amount of money. So when I say, okay, 5k offer, like, what do you think about that? They're like, okay, I think I can do that. And then I think like, what do you think about one day having like a five figure offer? And that's part of what I try to help my clients with. Like, what does it take for you to like earn, like be a coach who can deliver a five figure service? They say, I feel like throwing up. Like, I don't think I could ever do that. I would never see that for myself. And we do have these feelings in our minds of like worthiness to receive a certain amount of money, I would say. Or, and if they did kind of thinking, well, what would I have to do for it? And a lot of fear around like receiving certain amounts of money. Yeah. 
I think it's also we have this inherent perception that like people of color don't have money. That's true too. Right? Where they're like, I don't know if my community can afford this, and I'm like, the I'm like, literally just sold to first gen and women of color for three years, and like I, you know, you can only be the example so much, but I'm like. That's literally not true. Yes, we are a marginalized community. Yes, we are impacted by systems of oppression. And also, we want to develop ourselves. We want to make money. We want to become better versions of ourselves. And we spend money on a lot of other things (laughs) right now. Wellness, personal fitness, like all kinds of things. We spend money. Absolutely. And like when you think about the levels of higher education, the levels of access to income and corporate jobs and like we are creating wealth in ways that previous generations have not even like known was possible. So this idea that we're going to like lump all of ourselves into this, like, Oh, you know, we always got to be low budget because our people can't afford this shit. I'm like, I've seen plenty of Latinas spend plenty of fucking money on things that maybe are not necessities, but are like things that they want to acquire. And so if it's important to you, if coaching is important to you, you will find the money the same way that you found those student loans to go and get that $100,000 degree. Absolutely. And people, there's evidence if you were to think of like, what do people spend money on around you? They spend money on having fun. They spend it on going out. They spend it on looking good, beauty, fashion, experiences, like college. But nobody bats an eye when it comes to spending like six figures on a college degree because it's socially acceptable. So I think it's just like the money is already flowing. And does it serve you, even if you were to look at a study or something and it was a fact, does that serve you in what you are trying (laughs) to create? So I think like choosing what you believe and like what is also true. And it's like our people are spending money and people will spend money on what they want. Absolutely. Okay. So for the folks who are like, I want to serve, but I'm scared to show up. I don't want people to judge me. I don't like being on camera. I don't like the sound of my voice. You know, a million other reasons why we don't show up. What's your best advice? Because I think a lot of it comes back to this narrative of like, you know, calladita, te ves más bonita. Like we're just very used to just like shrinking and being small. And this idea of like showing up and being loud and talking about what you believe in and being your unapologetic self. I think that's still a very novel concept for a lot of us. I think it is. I mean, I think the one thing that I will remind my clients of is like, why does it make sense that you think that? And where did that come from? Because it isn't you. Because then it's like, is it really that you think that using your voice online and having an opinion, like, is that actually true? Like, why do you actually believe that that's true? Because we were conditioned, a lot of us, to be like blending in and being agreeable and all of that. So I think number one, normalizing our conditioning, because when you can separate the conditioning from like the reality, I think it actually helps us be like, oh no, that's just like my conditioning coming up. Or like, that was actually my parents' thoughts or my grandparents' thoughts. That's actually not my thoughts. So separating, I think is important. But the second thing And I know like it's been said before and it probably sounds cliche, but it's like, it's literally not about you. It feels like it's about you, but no one's thinking about you as much as you're thinking about you. Like we think about ourselves the most out of everybody. Other people just care about themselves in a good way. They just care about themselves. They're thinking about their problems. They're thinking about their partner that they're annoyed with. They're thinking about their health and fitness goals. They're thinking about their money. So when you show up, they're still thinking about themselves. So how can you help somebody for free through just showing up through your emails, through a post, through a live, through an Instagram caption? How can you help one person? Because they're just thinking about how to help themselves. They're not thinking about your voice or how you look on camera. You're the only person. So use that to like your advantage, you know? 
Okay, so I want to ask you, as a single mom, you're taking on even more risk by walking away from the safe corporate job to go and start this business that is going to support you and your daughter. So what advice do you have to other single moms who are really like curious about entrepreneurship, but are so scared to take the risk, to take the leap because of what it means? Yeah, it's an super understandable, like with the fears, you feel like there's a lot more that's riding on it. And the one thing that I would say is like, it doesn't need to be anything that you massively shift your life overnight. If you were to just, to just entertain, how great would it be for me to create my own path to money? How great would it be for me? How great would it be for my child, for our possibilities? How much more safety and security could I provide by just creating my own path to money? And when I say my own path to money, I mean something that you can do or exchange or sell, whether it's something you know, that people will pay you for directly where you don't have to ask permission. It's just your own. And if you just sit with that, once you start getting paid, you'll start to think differently about your future. You may start to think differently about your job. You might start to think differently about the plans that you're making, all of that, because it shifts something in your brain. And so I think I want them to know, like, this doesn't mean, oh my God, I'm going to quit my job next year. And because then you start thinking, oh my God, health insurance and like all these other things, just entertain the idea. Like, how would my life be differently if I had my own path to money? And what are the possibilities that I could create for myself and my child? How many more options would we have if I just made that my focus? It's so true. Just like the ability for you to create income with your brain, it just unlocks a different side of life. You start realizing the potentials that you have are just pretty much limitless at this point. It's like you start thinking about money in a completely different way. You start experiencing it in a completely different way and you realize your true power that you have to create what you want. Yeah. And I think that like we tend to dream and plan to certain boxes, like to certain confines. So it's almost like when we envision our future, when you have a job, I think that you envision your future based on what is feasible within your career path, like your raise, what raise might you get year over year. When you're an entrepreneur, even if you've just made like $2,000 on something, right? And then you're thinking, damn, my check is like $3,000. I just made $2,000 in a month. When you start to think about your future, it's like if somebody takes the lid off of it. And so then you start to think like, well, if I could create $2,000 in this month, like what if I can do more? And that on its own, like gets us dreaming differently that there's like something changes in your DNA. So I feel like just that on its own is really powerful. So whether you're a single parent, what I don't want someone to do because they're a parent or because of any other reason is to not start. Because I think that's what we'll do sometimes is we'll jump 20 steps ahead and it's like, we're not talking about that right now. We're not talking about you quitting your job. We're just talking about you taking what you know, something that you can do to create your own path to money. And I don't want our people to jip themselves out of starting. Just put the offer out there, y'all. Then we'll figure out the rest <laughs> of the shit, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Go get your money now. You could have been made money. <laughs> yes. You know, start your comfortable journey. I love it. Okay, so we all know, at least the ones who've done this entrepreneurial thing, that it's not all peaches and cream and unicorns and roses. So what's been your biggest like moment where maybe you thought about giving up and how did you get yourself out of that? There's been two big moments, but I honestly think this year has been the hardest because I'm scaling. I'd say a year in the moment of... It was never giving up though, to be honest. I'll, I'll be real. There's something about, I was like, okay, I'm willing to do whatever. And we'll all have different peaks and valleys. The first one that happened was I had mental health stuff come up. I was a single mom living in Oregon. I moved there for cost of living, but I was by myself. I never had a break from parenting. I was coaching 
And I just was crawling out of my skin because I was just like, I'm kind of depressed and lonely out here. And my income started dipping. That's the part about it is you are forced to have to tend to yourself at a different level because your mind helps you make money. So when my income dipped at the time, I started to think like, what if I can't pay my rent? What if I have to borrow money? What if I have to move in with my parents? What if like all these things? And then I realized like, what's the worst that can happen is I will go back into the workforce. I will do whatever I need to do to make money. So entrepreneurship really makes you be like, let's go there with your fear. Your fear is saying this. Okay. What if you did? And then what would you do? And the minute I removed the shame from what if I had to get a job again, I started applying for jobs. Something about me making peace with me getting a job that I was like, what? And I would still not give up my business. I would do it to provide for me and my daughter so I can continue my business. I had to let go of the shame. Something about me letting go of the shame helped me unlock the next phase of my business. I literally started making like triple what I was making before, but I think it was because I stopped worrying about like, what if it didn't work or what if I couldn't pay my bills? So that's probably the first one. And then I realized like I needed way more support because we try to do it all. We want to be like doing the most. And I decided at that point, like, I'm going to move back closer to family because even though I have been doing it all as a single parent, like I literally can't even go out after dark because I'm on my own in the city parenting. I decided to move back closer to family so that I can have support, so I can have the village around like raising my child and that the more money you make, the more support you need. And you deserve the support. Just because you can do it on your own doesn't yeah. mean you should. Yeah, like, that's, that's so real. Like this idea that we have to do it all is probably the reason why I was a solopreneur for seven years. Because it was just like the idea, wrapping your head around creating jobs and being like, a CEO and like having people reporting to you, it feels like such a foreign concept because I think we just don't see enough examples of it, right? Yeah. Or you think I could do this myself. There's a lot of things you could do yourself, but when your job is to be the person generating ideas, the person figuring out how to serve your clients better, the person figuring out how to market, like there's more important jobs for you to do than the ones you can do. Like you can do this research, you can put together this Canva graphic, you can edit that podcast, but is that going to help you make money? Is it going to help you serve your clients? So you definitely start asking yourself different questions. Like I've, I hired pretty early on in my business, I think just because of my mindset from corporate, but one thing I'll see like first gen and Latinas do sometimes is like struggle on their own until they can't do it anymore. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll take on fewer clients rather than hire so that they can keep the clients. Like one client will pay for your assistant or less than that. One, one client payment a month can pay for your assistant. So like, that's one thing is I want us to think bigger like that. Absolutely. Okay, so I know that mindset is the foundation of success as an entrepreneur. And I'm curious if you have any manifestation techniques, any self-care practices, or maybe like a mantra that you go by that guides how you operate in your business. Yeah, I've done a lot of, I feel like self-coaching, I get coached by all my different coaches, but the one thing that is definitely unique to me that I come back to a lot when it comes to beliefs actually came to me through being in emotionally unhealthy gaslighty relationships. I will explain. But for most of my life, like I didn't believe in myself, even though I was like good at school, all that. But when you spend most of your time, like second guessing yourself or looking outside of yourself, like I would say you maybe have like 5% of the time that you are confident. So what I started doing and what I now have created as like a method in my business that I call belief bookmarking is like, 
If you only spend 1% of your time where you feel like confident, you actually believe good things about yourself, you actually think you can do something, how can you bottle that up in the moment so that when you lose it, you can go back to it? Whether you're writing yourself a note, you're leaving yourself a voice note, somebody sent you a message and said, thank you so much. Like, you're amazing. You really helped me. Whatever that is, can you bottle those things up so that that 1% of confidence turns into 5%, turns into 10%, turns into more? So it's almost like you're leaving yourself evidence, like you're leaving yourself breadcrumbs of like the highest thoughts that you have about yourself. So that's one thing that I think anybody can start to do now because we really have to like advocate for ourselves. Like we have to fight for like those higher level thoughts about ourselves sometimes. And that's one thing that I still do now. And every season there is like another set of beliefs that I'm like, if I believed that about myself, like I would make so much more money. And I I actively practice that. I also use the I am app. I love the I am app because you actually can put the beliefs in there that you're trying to adopt. Not like gaslighty stuff that you don't fully believe, but just good reminders. And I am sends you push notifications like as many times a day as you want. And they're your own thoughts. So there's something about you receiving that that kind of helps you to shift your thoughts. But a big part of it, honestly, is just being aware of what your brain is telling you. If you are just aware of how many thoughts and how many of them are negative, it's easier for you to separate yourself from them. Because for the most part, especially at the beginning, you're not walking around hyping yourself up most of the time. Your brain is looking for signs of danger and it's looking for signs that you're going to not be able to do something. And that's what's the loudest part. So even just you brain dumping in the morning, writing out all your thoughts, looking at like, what are the things I need to coach myself on is huge. Yeah, I really love the self-coaching model because even if you're not a coach, right, even if this industry, like you have no interest in like doing that, it's so eye-opening to just become aware of the shit that's going on in your head and how it's affecting what you are experiencing externally. It's like you're almost observing yourself in like a third party and I can have conversations with myself now that it's like, oh, I see you're triggered because X, Y, Z, that's cute. We're going to move on from that because that's not real. And it makes you really get out of like that shit is happening to me mentality and just like, oh, my brain's just acting up. Here we go again. (laughs) And it's doing its job. Like, I think one thing I try to remind myself of is like, your brain does not want to grow. It's not the friend that like doesn't want to go out. They're like, "Mm, I just want to be, no, that doesn't sound fun. I just want to stay here. Like where we're not going to die. Like where the food is. We just want to stay here. So when you're asking your brain to do scary shit, it's like, no, I'm good. And guess what? Here's a laundry list of reasons you shouldn't do this either. So it's like, we're surprised that like this is happening. But that's why like being aware of your thoughts is so important. Because I'm like, it's not going to get on board unless you observe the fact that like, oh, it's just doing its job of like keeping me doing the same thing I've always been doing because that's where I'm safe. (laughs) Yes. One day at a time, y'all, is how we start to like heal. And I think coaching for me has been an integral part of me just like stepping into my next level self. So I'm curious, Mariella, how can folks work with you? What kind of offers do you have for people who are inspired by this conversation and who want to potentially work with you? So I still am currently working with clients in two ways. One is um, with private coaching for leadership coaching for entrepreneurs, as well as women in corporate. So I work with women in 
Google, the United Nations. Like I've worked with women from all different backgrounds. So anyone who wants to develop leadership skills, either as an entrepreneur or corporate in one-on-one coaching. Um, I also have a mastermind called Reclamation. And Reclamation is for entrepreneurs who really want to sell with their thought leadership, attract clients and attract opportunities with their thought leadership. And we help you extract that. Every single one of my clients is very purpose-driven, has really high standards for themselves. And we really help them to attract their opportunities through their stories. So both of those you can learn more about on my website and on Instagram. Amazing. And we'll make sure to link all of those resources in the episode show notes. Mariella, thank you so much for being here and for sharing your knowledge and for normalizing the idea that like Latinas can also be in the coaching industry and we're actually the best experts to serve ourselves. We are. Lord knows we need more of us in our industry because nobody knows us and can serve us like us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you are ready to take your dinero to the next level, sign up for our free 14-page guide, The Financially Lit Latina the ultimate blueprint for becoming poderosa with your dinero. This 14-page guide includes our best tips on money mindset, budgeting, debt repayment, career, investing, financial independence, side hustles, and more. And you can get it completely free. So to get your copy of the Financially Lit Latina, just head over to yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start. That's yoquierodineropodcast.com slash start and start transforming your dinero story today. Until next time, stay empowered, stay inspired, and stay poderosa.
On the Yo Quiero Dinero podcast and associated entities, all information provided is for general information purposes only and does not constitute accounting, legal, tax, or other professional advice. Listeners should not act upon the content or information found here without first seeking appropriate advice from an accountant, financial planner, lawyer, or other professional. We assume no responsibility for information contained on this podcast and associated entities and disclaim all liability with respect to such information, including but not limited to any liability for errors, inaccuracies, omissions, or misleading or defamatory statements. Usage of this podcast and associated content constitutes an explicit understanding and acceptance of the terms of this disclaimer.